Hi, good morning, and welcome to another episode of Ask Ellie Intuitive Insights and Your Questions Answered. My name is Ellie Molina, and I am your hostess for today. And for those people who are joining us for the very first time, I'd like to just share a little bit about myself. I am a psychic. I'm an intuitive and author, consultant, educator, and the creator of PsyKids, a magical place where children and their adults learn to tap their inner magic while raising consciousness. And to learn more about PsyKids, head on over to my website, look for PsyKids, and then download your free 16-page guide titled, What If? Six Ways to Help Your Child Tap Their Inner Magic. And... Before I introduce our guest today uh, and share a little bit about her, I just want to let you know that we've got some interesting astrological aspects happening, which I will get into uh, on the next podcast next week. But to begin with, I want to welcome everybody who's entering into the live studio this morning. Good morning, Deb, and good morning, Terry. And I know that we have Hello. a few other people. Hi, good morning. Thank you for being here. And there are a few other people that are going to be entering into the live studio, so they'll be able to ask their questions. And you know, we'll, I'm sure that you'll get to their answers. So anyway, first of all, welcome, 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 Terry. I want to introduce you officially. That means I get to read uh, your bio. <laughs> so, oh, God. <laughs> no, no, this is important. So Terry is a writer, a speaker, brand advisor, and she helps people identify, articulate, and seize on their own standout ideas for their brands, businesses, and whatever work they do so that they can become powerful and fulfilled contributors and leaders. And I just want to share with you, all of that is true beyond true. Terry is absolutely awesome in this field. Terry leads workshops. She speaks across the country. She has done a TED Talk that has over 7.3 million views when I checked last, Terry. Uh, she helps her clients go from paralyzed, yes, 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 to prolific, from stuck to full steam ahead, and not only change how they see their own work, but how they see everything else too. So Terry has just written a book. It came out in December, I believe, right? December, the end of December. Yes. And, and her book is called Unfollow Your Passion, How to Create a Life That Matters to You. So before I even let you talk, Terry, I just want to let our listeners know that Terry was on the Today Show, and then you were on the Today Show in Canada also, correct? And mm -hmm. have there been any other shows that I've missed? Because I'm doing my best to keep up. Oh, my gosh. I don't <laughs> I'm trying. Um, yeah, that, for some reason, I got a lot of bookings in Canada, which was very interesting. I was on their two of their top morning shows and a, and a morning uh, chat show, less, you know, like a, like The View, but in Canada. Um, mm -hmm, but I've done mm -hmm. a, a bunch of media here, both locally and, and nationally, had some nice write-ups in uh, The Independent in the UK. Um, and it's just been kind of a ride. I think the biggest thing was The Washington Post that included yeah, it in yeah. the roundup of the best feel-good books of the year, I, which was a I real know. honor. I saw that. I got chills when I saw that. Okay. Because everybody <laughs> <Me> listening, <laughs> everybody listening, I just want you to know I made a prediction for Terry. And I, and you're going to oh, hear God. it here. Yes, you know, Terry. I predicted that your book is going to hit the New York Times bestseller list. And it is just a matter of time. And I know, I just know it. Um, I just, it's just something that I know because your book has got such wisdom in here. Okay. I, and just no matter who you are, no matter what you're reading and, you know, I just want to share a couple of things that about Terry, for those of you who are listening and who know me, um, Terry's been my gateless writing teacher and that's where we met. So if anybody's unfamiliar with gateless, you know, we can talk about that after we talk about Terry's book, but Terry was my my writing my writing instructor my writing teacher and um, she's just a magician. Terry, you're a magician when it comes to articulating. A magician, 
You are. When it comes to articulating what other people have in their heads, Terry did that for me. And my results were outstanding. They were beyond outstanding. And I w- I'm just so grateful to have your brilliance in my life, Terry. So that is why I want to talk about your book now. I want to talk about the wisdom, the inspiration. Like I said, this is going to hit the New York Times bestseller list. Each oh, chapter- God. Oh, it is. It is, Terry. It is. Just it is. I see it. <laughs> Every chapter is so deep. If the reader starts to spend time to explore, and you know what I came away with? There's freedom in reading this. There's a lot of freedom ah. from conventional wisdom of the self-help world. And, you know, here's what I came away with that in reading your book, people intuitively will know that they can give themselves permission to be really who they are rather than being held back by the constraints of shoulds and shouldn'ts. And so I do have a couple of questions for you. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, please ask away. All right. So before we really talk about like some of the details in here, was there a moment, was there a moment for you, like a, the aha moment where you knew I had to write this? I like, I just had to write this. You were compelled. No. Interesting. No. Okay. All right. Nope. Uh, I mean, it's funny because do you want me to tell you? Because that I is do. interesting. A few people have said like, oh, did you know? And this was the thing as if there's a lightning bolt moment, but um, rather than, and some people do, they see the image, they know what the book's going to be. They have an image for what it should be a vision but I did not. I've been writing my whole life and not really sure where I would take it. It's kind of like being really good at sewing and just sewing lots of things and going, what do I do with all this material? So that's what I was doing. I did give that TED talk that you mentioned, Stop Searching for Your Passion in Mm -hmm. 2015. Mm -hmm. So that's seven years ago now. And to think that someone might go, oh, Terry did this talk. And then she said, I'm going to do a book about it, then pitch a book and publish it. But realize mm-hmm. there's seven years in there. And, mm-hmm. for, and I did not have any intention. People are like, oh, are you going to do a book about that? I said, why? I already did the talk. I'm, I'm done. I'm on to the next thing. I always like doing something new. So I didn't consider it. I thought, what will I do next? And what will I write next? So I happened to learn and enter into a writing community, not realizing I went to a retreat and discovered an approach to writing that made me feel free and alive. And I loved it so much. It made me feel like back to the way I used to feel around writing. And I loved it so much that I said, well, I want to write a book. But the, the woman who led the retreat, Suzanne Kingsbury, said, don't worry about the book yet. You will, if you want to, have a book. But first, you need to know what you're writing, and you need to give yourself space to do that. So I gave myself years of mm. writing on retreat, of writing by myself, of writing in groups, writing alone, which really, we do most of it alone. And I, it wasn't until I had what I thought was a book. Uh, I thought, I was like, here's a bunch of stuff. Here's what I think it sounds like. So I worked with Suzanne to create this proposal and I I took it to a bunch of agents, 99.9% of whom said, no, thank you. One said, okay, let's look at this. And it wasn't at all about passion. I didn't have anything to do with that. Wow. What it did have to do. Oh, sorry. I'm hearing an echo. No, hold on. That's that's me. Um, I'm having okay. a, a slight tech glitch here. And that is because there are, um, there are these messages that it says all these messages and I'm unable to see them. So I don't know if you can see them. Um, oh, I see messages coming through, um, but I think uh, I don't hear the echo anymore. But I guess if there's ever an echo, I imagine if you mute yourself. Yeah. That no, help? that was me. That echo was me. Yeah, so, that, I, I was oh, looking okay. to see if I could oh, find okay. the messages on my iPhone. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I know, and I can't. Uh, let's see. I don't see them. I Do see, them, see them, them on there now. Mm. I see people on there, but I, I don't see. Okay. No, I just yeah. see you saying I can't see the questions. If people have questions, they should go ahead and type them in. Absolutely. But, so what I did was I we had the idea, and the book was essentially. How do I help people? How can I help people be free of the played out ideas that make us feel that we're not doing a good enough job living our lives? And so it was. And so look, I'm the one who gave the TED talk that same idea of I hate this conventional wisdom. I hate Mm -hmm. this thing that everybody says. It's the same spirit, but I wasn't packaging it like this book. So 
the agent said, okay, let's take it out to publishers and see if someone's interested. It was not called Unfollow Your Passion. It had nothing in the word passion, was not in it at all. <laughs> and we took it around and everyone said no, except for one publisher and you only need one, right? Yeah. But it was a big one. And they said, well, we like your writing. We like the idea, but this is not the book. We would like to work with you to publish a different book and we think it should be personal development and it should tie back to the TED Talk. So that was them. That's their business savvy. Look, a publisher's not going to give you money for a book unless they see a way to make money doing it. It's a business. Yeah, so I said, yeah. okay, well, you tell me. And they said, well, this is what we think it would be, something around these lines. So then I spent the next year rewriting and reworking the book. So no, I did not come march in there with this perfect <laughs> book going here, publish this. I made it up as I went. And I used all of this material that I had. But I say that, Ellie, because so many people have an idea that you're supposed to know what you're going to do your book about. And I want to free you up from that and say, hey, sometimes sometimes the writing leads you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that is one of the reasons that I took, you know, this is circling back to Gateless now. Uh, when I first met you and then worked with you in Gateless, this was, I had such freedom for the first time from the constraints of what I'm supposed to be doing, how it's supposed to be looking and how I'm supposed to be writing. And, and again, I just want to keep going back to your book because there are so many things in here that I just look at, I laugh and I say, I wish people could read this. And I do, I am going to highly, highly recommend that everybody listening to this now and in the future, go out and purchase a copy of this book, uh, Terry's book, Unfollow Your Passion, and then start really looking at, oh, you know, the so many of the little, they're, they're gems. Each chapter, Terry, is a gem. You know, other people's agendas, you know, how to unsubscribe from other people's agendas. You know, I have that in my world where clients will come to me and they'll say, you know, I've got all these distractions. I've got all these distractions. And, uh, you know, how do I unsubscribe from other people's agendas? And then, you know, you've given this great chapter and then there are these prompts. Tell me, tell me, tell the readers about the prompts. Okay. The listeners. Oh, yes. I mean. <laughs> Listen, any, any, anyone can, can have an opinion about how we can live our lives better. Anyone can say that and we can read it and agree with it or disagree with it. But to my mind, the book is not useful unless you, not only read it, but metabolize it. And the way I metabolize things, the way I feel that I learn them is by writing it. Uh, that might be the student in me, it might be the writer in me, but I really believe that when you write a thing, you're taking something you learned from the outside, you're bringing it inside your brain and body, and it's coming back out again. It's how you metabolize information. So I wanted to include prompts at the end of each chapter to encourage people to write their own chapter, like to, to now make this yours. You know, my yeah. life only matters a tiny, my life doesn't really matter that much at all. No one person's uh, has to. It's about how we make it matter in our own lives. And so the prompts will be connected to each one. Like there's the very popular chapter about why you can stay in your comfort zone. Oh, I love and that chapter. That, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, because we always are told, we've got to get out of your comfort zone. Well, you're going to be out of your, you're going to spend most of your life outside your comfort zone. If you can find a shred of comfort, hang on with both hands. And so one of the prompts is to think about where you are comfortable. How can you create comfort so that you can feel flexible, rested, and strong? Because you don't take on challenges well when you're feeling threadbare. So I make sure that I feel pretty squarely centered in my space. It's why I am participating in and creating gateless writing communities of writers and people, anyone. It doesn't have to be that you qualify as a writer. Anyone who wants to be part of it can be if you want to find strength in where you're comfortable. And that's, that's what I'm basically setting out to do through this book and through my work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, but I have to I just, oh, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, you I have to tell you, though, because people listen to, look, uh, the, you know, I've been talking a lot about the ideas in this book. When you launch a book, you end up getting to have lots of great conversations with people. It's a real honor and a privilege. But let me tell you, the thing that comes up the most is people say, well, how am I supposed to know what I should do with my life? And by the way, Terry, how are you so sure and confident about your own? I am not. 
I don't know any more about what my life will be in five years than you do. And even if we have an idea, it's an idea. It's a thought. It is not reality. But the difference is trust. Are you going to decide to trust your decisions now and know that they're going to work out the way they will? The problem I hear from people is either, I don't know what I'm passionate about, yeah. or, mm-hmm. oh, I have so many passions. I, my problem, I have, too, I have too much passion. No, you don't have too much passion. It's wonderful <laughs> to have lots of passion. If you feel you have, quote, too much passion, the problem is you haven't made a decision and you're choosing not to choose. And you're saying, oh, I could do all these things, so I don't know what to do. I guess I'll do nothing. That's very convenient because then you don't have to do anything. So the the real choice is, are you willing to make a choice to focus on something that would be worth doing for you right now? People say, I want to make a dent in the universe. I want to make an impact. That is way too high a goal, way Mm -hmm. too big, because it makes us think that every day we haven't made a dent in the universe, we're failing. It's too much. I don't go into every day saying, today's going to be the biggest day of my life. I said, today I'm going to do good for some people, hopefully connect with people and make a difference in their day and hopefully get through a little work of my own. And that's enough. I think the pressure to like, I have to mean something. It's just too yeah, much. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I totally agree. And I remember reading, I don't have it marked here, unfortunately, but I remember reading uh, the chapter about, um, Oh my God, I'm just having like a, a, a blackout moment here. I remember reading the chapter where you were talking about. Um, was it bucket list? The, no, no I'm, I'm looking at bucket list right now, which is throwing me off, but it was about um, the passion. It was about the passion part. And it was the the myth basically that, oh, that's what it was, that you're going to be passionate about something and then you're going to do the work. And then you were sharing, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. You know, like you do the work and then all of a sudden you start, right? You tell it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm, yes. you know what I'm talking There's about. There's an illusion that or people who have, and this is something that I read in a study that was widely publicized that I seized on immediately. There was a study published in Psychological Science that looked at fixed mindset versus growth mindset around Uh, passion. Meaning, if you believe that you are predestined, that it is pre-programmed and that you're meant to do one thing, your your one passion, if you believe that, that there's no choice and you were born to do a thing and you don't know what that thing is and you have to go and find it, you will, you're, you're probably going to be more likely to give up on things. Mm -hmm. because a fixed mindset person says, this is either right or wrong. This is either for me or not for me. And what they found were that people with a fixed mindset around passion were more likely to quit something when it was hard because they'd say, oh, this is hard. So it must not be my passion. Let me try something else. Let me try something else. Mm -hmm. And they would try a lot of different things. They would never trust or allow themselves to grow and evolve. Plus, they would likely curtail other interests. Nope, I'm just a person who does music. Nope, I'm just a person who does this. That limit does not help you because people who have a fixed mindset about passion also mistakenly believe that that passion will provide endless and unfettered motivation. And I have news (laughs) for you, you other humans out there. There is nothing that guarantees endless motivation. We are humans, we need to sleep, eat, go to the bathroom, we need, we get bored, we get angry and irritable, we go through all the phases. So Mm -hmm. to assume that when I find my magic thing, it's all going to work out. I actually just saw something posted on LinkedIn and I'm trying to bite my tongue. I don't Mm want to say something and I don't want to blow up someone's spot, but someone wrote, oh, well, if you're doing what you love, you'll never feel stress. I said, that is not right. (laughs) What she just did was make everyone feel that if they're stressed, they're doing it wrong. Right. Stress. Listen, launching a book is stressful. I'm lucky to have the stress, but whether it's stress or what they call eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, it's still stress. It can be good or it can be bad, but this life without stress and low with endless dreamy motivation is not life. So let yourself off the hook right there and know that your passion is a feeling. It's a source of energy. You'll change. You'll get bored with one thing. You'll get interested in another. And the way I see passion is not as one predetermined by the gods major for life. It's more like 
a yellow lab, like a really eager dog that runs along with you. A yellow lab will follow you wherever you go. Throw a ball, it'll chase it. If you allow yourself to see passion that way, then you might be willing to try more things and to enjoy more things rather than wonder if you're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, and this, I love that. And I was also um, reading Say Yes to Yourself. You know, this is in the chapter of No One Was Given a Script. You know, so many people, even that I work with, feel that they have to have a script, a predetermined way that they're, quote unquote, supposed to be doing life. And when we, we know that we just kind of, well, as you so beautifully and eloquently put it, um, we follow the, we follow the, I guess the signs, we follow what shows up, you know, and you can share mm-hmm. more about that. Cause you've got, you've got, a, I love the way you write, Terry. It's so funny. Also, it's brilliant and it's funny, you know, oh, you missed your calling as a comedian, girlfriend. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> There's, yes. and you want to talk about that also. So to hit upon that, you know, when people tell oh. us, oh, you you missed your calling, right? And then getting back to um, the script, the way that life is supposed to be scripted oh, God. for us. You know? God, no. It's not scripted at all. In fact, we already know this. You already know this. Uh, there's no one, even with psychics, even when we, mm-hmm. Ellie, we've all, people who love you and have invested in not just your gift, but other people's, I've invested in other intuitives. We don't do it because we can be delivered tomorrow today, but because... If anything, talking to business intuitives, psychics, whatever you want to call them, should strengthen our own intuition. This is about mm-hmm. learning skills to trust ourselves, right? Knowing Absolutely. that who could have who could have planned what would have happened now. And I love when people say, "Oh, we're living in uncertain times." We were oh, always yeah. <laughs> living in uncertain times. Didn't just become uncertain. Things just went a certain way, one way till they didn't. But I took improv classes for years and I loved it. I actually loved the classes more than I loved performing it. And that's saying something because I love me a stage. Uh, But the act of doing improv when you're given, you know, basically it's kind Mm -hmm. of play for adults. You walk into a scene, they go, okay, your word is, you know, uh, car. And then all of a sudden, two people walk into a scene and they have no idea what they're going to do, but they start riffing together and figuring out what the scene's about. You have to have tremendous trust in the other person and you have to be willing to go with what comes up. But when you do improv, which what I learned from paying and going to classes was that I could see what my go-to was when I was anxious. Like if I walk into a scene, I don't know what to do. What would I do? And I realized my go-to was to pick a fight was to go in angry at something because it made me feel confident. Mm. When I was angry, it made me feel strong. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that is what I do. I'm not angry all the time, but when I'm going into a situation, I'm ready to fight because that makes me feel sturdy. Mm -hmm. Well, that was worth the price of admission. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. what do we do every day we walk into? We have no idea what's going to happen. And so it's worth paying attention to, well, what do we do when we're not sure? Does that always help? Does being angry make for a better day? Not usually, okay. um, but, I, mm-hmm. but I loved that experience. But here's how that contrasts with the idea of calling. If every day's an improv and we're going in with just a few suggestions of how the day might go, the idea of a calling, I, the reason I don't love it is because it sounds as if it's divinely inspired. Like, oh, I was called to do this. Oh, the gods didn't call you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Maybe you're not on you're not on their short list because your life is meaningless. Like, or when people use the word calling, they'll say, ah, oh, these cupcakes are divine. Cheryl, you missed your calling. You should have been a pastry chef. And it, Cheryl's like, well, I work in accounting. Thanks a lot. You're making me feel like my life is, uh, I, I did the wrong thing. No one missed their calling. Calling is useful if we believe that we are being called all the time. And we are being drawn towards some things away from others. It is your decision. It is not the God's. It is not genetically predestined and you didn't miss it. And uh, Ellie, I find this is a big problem for people slash women, especially when they're no longer 29. Mm-hmm. Even 29-year-olds have a problem with this. But once mm-hmm. you're over 29, you start thinking, oh God, everything's behind you. 
not true, first of all, <laughs> mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. all of our time is quickly moving behind us. That's not the point. The point is you can do what you want now. And since we don't know how long we'll have, what are you doing with the time you have? That's all that matters, really, that you yeah. make sure that that what you're doing now, you're not doing just to please people or I'm just going to do these things for the next 10 years and then I'll have free time. We might all be dead 10 years from now. We don't know. <laughs> We don't know. I know. It's don't true. wait till later. This waiting till later is the racket. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, oh, I just wish everybody were reading this right now so that we could pick out. They can. Tell, they, they can, can if they want. Yes. That's the beauty. Uh, okay. Okay. Hold on. Tell us about the book club. Tell us about about how they can. How oh, yes. Can, all right. Yeah. Yes. You know what I'm, you you know what I'm just, saying. Yeah. You might <laughs> buy the book. Most people will maybe buy the book and read it on their own or listen to the audiobook and just read on their own. Great. And you just put it on your pile and you enjoy it on your own time. But what I have invited people to do is if you like the book and you want to be in community with me, you're invited to do that. I have a couple hundred people who said, yes, I bought the book and I want to be in the loop with you. And if you want to do that, I bought the domain, unfollowyourpassion.com. And if you bought the book in December, uh, Amazon or whatever you buy books, you just put that in there, put your name and email. And if you don't remember, put your best guess when you bought it. And then you'll be part of that community of people where I email them and I tell people like, hey, we're doing this workshop, we're doing this, do you wanna be part of it? Uh, Or if you're like, hey, you know what? I don't know if I wanna buy your book. That's okay too. You can still be in touch with me if you just go to terrorgespeedshow.com and you can just hop on my list and be in touch because I'm always doing things around these ideas to help people find freedom in the choices they make and enjoy the creativity that they already have inside of them to make the life they want to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I just think that what you're doing is so spectacular. And can you share, this is not about the book, but this is about this is about writing and Gateless. Yes, let's talk about that. All right, so can we talk about Gateless? Because Gateless helped to set me free. And yes. I was introduced to Gateless through um, Emily Pereira, who has written the book, The Quest. And Emily had told me about Suzanne Kingsbury for a few years before I mustered up the, uh, I guess, <laughs> the, the courage. It wasn't, it was courage. I was afraid I couldn't write, believe it or not. You know, it's one of those yes. stories. I'm not going to be yes. able to write. I have nothing to say. Uh-huh. No one's going to want to read this. Yep. Why am I, you know, why am I? <laughs> Why am I you just did it. You time? named it. Yeah, yeah. You named so, three things. What do I have to say? What if I can't do it? And who cares anyway? And mm-hmm. let's answer those in the reverse order. Who cares? Everyone and no one. No one is sitting <laughs> around waiting for anyone to write a book. If I never wrote one, the world would go on. Uh, my friends and family would still love me. We don't get, put our worth on whether we publish a book, okay? Because a book is just, is the oldest form of content sharing uh, after cave drawings. But like... There's so many ways to share what you do. It doesn't have to be a book. However, it can start on the page. Whether you like to write or not, Ellie, what you have hit on is that this community, which is started by Suzanne, I'm trained in Suzanne's method. I'm certified in it. So not just anyone can go around doing Gateless. They have to be certified as a trainer. So there's only you know maybe 100 or so of us out there. But the idea is this, and, and, and it is a an amazingly... Uh, kind of shape-shifting tool that can fit any creative work. It it was originally developed to help writers get past writing blocks because Suzanne works with writers to help them develop Mm -hmm, their books. mm -hmm. She can't work with a writer who's blocked. Mm -hmm. So it was in her best interest. And she is someone who's written books and knows what it is to be blocked. And so she created this method, which is so different because rather than you go in with your writing and have someone fix it, that's a different process. What she does and what I do is help people tap the part of you that already knows how to write. This fear of I won't know how to write. If you can read, you can write. No one goes around bragging about how they can't read. So why (laughs) people feel that they need to tell people that they're a bad writer. No, you're not a bad writer. You were told and given a set of rules in school that didn't feel right. You were maybe made to be embarrassed or made to fail or made you feel bad about your own ability and you never went back. And for that, for all of us, I am sorry. 
I am sorry that the traditional system does not reward the kind of writing that I believe people can do. Why? Because as you know, Ellie, people teach to test. There's other priorities mm -hmm. that the schools have besides unleashing creativity. Mm -hmm. But what we can do is we can unlearn those limits. And that is my jam. I love to help people kick away conventional wisdom and kick away the critical uh, conditioning we've grown up with so that we can be free flowing and access our ideas. So you, I don't, when people come to me and say, I want to do yourself and I'm a bad writer, I said, no. And actually you're not going to be allowed to say that in the group because what we do is we write together, we read our work unedited, and we point out what's working, not what isn't. And Ella, you experience that yourself. It's not a nice, nice compliment circle. It's meant to teach us how to look for strength on the page. It's meant to look for what's working because no one told you. Your whole life, everyone's been slicing up your work with a red pen and they mm -hmm. haven't actually shown you what works. If you don't know what works, how do you know how to keep doing it? You don't. So that mm -hmm. is what we do. And so I've had a lot of exciting uh, interactions and groups and success by leading programs. In fact, I'm starting another one next week called this, it's, it's called the six week sprint. I've been doing it, Ellie, you were part of it. It's a wonderful group where we write for six weeks, every week, at least once, if not twice, if you wanna come twice, we write together and you learn this approach so that you can write on demand. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. And I'm also starting to do more teaching of how to refine and edit work that doesn't involve ripping your own work to shreds because that doesn't help either. So yeah, I will yeah. say this, if that is another reason to get in touch with me because you want to hear about, well, what does this look like? What can we do to explore mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. And so that's it. Everyone can use the page for self-exploration, for idea development, for writing and creating, but you have to be willing to allow yourself to enter the room. Yeah, and that's yeah. what Gateless is. It's kind of a room, virtual or not. But Ellie, you, know, you really came loose when you started writing. <laughs> Stuff just <laughs> flowed out of you. You know, thanks, Terry. You know that 90% of the book uh, was written in Gateless during the time that I was with you and in the other sprints and with Suzanne. That is when really, truly 90% of the book was written and so much of it was rewritten and dropped and refined. And I look back at my writing uh, from two years ago to my writing ah. now. And ah. it's, not, it's like a whole other person, all right? And What do uh, you see? What do you see that looks different when you oh, look at your stuff? Okay. So first of all, let's look at it from a grammatical point of view. I was writing yeah. in passive, okay? So the things were, ha things were happening to people. The man was hit by a car. All of a sudden, the car <laughs> slammed, the, the guy, the, the car slammed into the man and he jumped 15 feet. That's a whole other way of seeing the world, okay? And who, what's more engaging? The man was hit by the car or the, you know, the, the man, whatever I just said, I don't remember. The, the right. car slammed into the man and he flew, right? So, I mean, obviously the second one is more engaging. So that was just one thing that I started to realize. So each time I would write, I would start paying attention to my verbs. Am I in, and then the big thing, am I in the body? Can they feel this? And so then the feedback that I was getting in our groups was that people were saying to me, wow, this is so sensory. This feels so movie-ish. Okay. I can see yes. this as if it were a movie. And that is like, yes, yes, that's what I want. Yes, yes. <laughs> so that would inspire me to write more. And, you know, it's just been an incredible And Ellie, you're an educator. I mean, process. You're, you're someone Terry. who's come from the, yeah. I'm going to just share with you. We were not taught to teach writing that way. We were taught oh, to teach writing, right? You know, that we were taught how to do a narrative. This is what you do. Boom, 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 boom. This is what you, <laughs> yes. There's no, there's no room for creation in there. This is, it's strictly, it's strictly a template and you must follow the template so that the educator right. can give points so that they can then pass the test. That was writing. That's right. It's, you're, it's not, and it's of course not your fault, right, Elliot? It's the system is taught 
around compliance. It's about how to do things the correct way, which I guess makes sense from a scale. Let's make sure everyone follows these rules. But then what it does is kind of pours water on the flame of the freedom. Because if you're really worried about compliance first, if you're really worried about doing it right, then you will not be free to actually say what you want. And that is the thing that people experience in my workshops is, oh my God, I, I feel this force coming through me that has been basically locked up for so long, I didn't know I was capable of that. And and just your point, Ellie, about passive voice is very interesting because we do talk about craft. We're not teaching grammar, of course, but we're looking at how does the craft, it, it's not right or wrong, it's what is it making us experience? In a passive voice, which you're noticing happening, it takes power away from the speaker. It can take power away from the character in the story. And sometimes that's a way of being very safe. When you look at corporate communications, there's a lot of passive voice. That's not, oh, they're wrong. That's, there's a purpose to that. There's a purpose to all writing. And in corporate communications, they don't want to point fingers or blame. So it's mm. very passive. But mm. in our world, when you're trying to move people with your work, passive won't do it. But you might go, well, I don't even know. Am I being active or oh, what am I doing? You'll know because when you write it in a 10 minute window or a 20 minute window, which is so small, you won't have time to correct grammar. And what you'll do is get at the essence of what's there and what's brilliant. And when you get a look at that, you're ignited, baby. You're like, whoa, that's how I felt. I, when I left my first retreat with this approach, I was dubious at first. I go, this isn't going to help me. By the end of the weekend, oh my God, I flew out of there and I said, <laughs> I can do anything. I can write anything I want. And I kept going. For seven years, I went to retreats. Yeah. I studied this thing and it has, it is the reason I have a book now. It is the reason. And so not only when you read this book, will you see that it was written that way, not that you'd know that by looking, but there's also a chapter in there about the critic in which I talk about how this mm -hmm. approach changed my life and why I teach it now. But oh, Ellie, if I could free everyone up, that is the goal. Mm -hmm. I want to make everyone feel free because if we don't own our own voices, we're in trouble. If we stay quiet, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this leads me to another question that's coming up. Um, and I do want to ask anybody listening, if they want to ask a question to you. Oh, yes, right please. Now, like, please put it in or call in. But my head is spinning um, to the question, is there going to be another in-person retreat down the line? Oh my God. Yeah. I hope so. Yes. I love the in-person retreats. I love going to them as an attendee and I also love hosting them, but that is a very different energy, right? Cause if I'm hosting it, I, I don't get to be a writer on the retreat, but being in person with people in the room and writing together and living together for three days is amazing. Obviously right now it's just tense for a lot of people. So we're going to hold off, but Ellie, I feel very lucky uh, that I was able to explore it virtually because I was able to, have essentially online retreats and meet mm -hmm. people from all over the world that I might never have met. So right, I wouldn't right. trade my virtual community for anything. But yes, the dream would be to be able to meet some of them in person. Um, but I love doing it virtually. It just has introduced a whole other dimension of what it means to write in community, even when you're in the house by yourself. Yeah. You know, I have made, just as like, I want to talk about myself here. I have yeah. made so many wonderful friends during this oh my last, God. this year of gateless. I cannot even, if I were to begin to count the friendships that I made that were off the page. Okay. The people that I'm in contact with that I talk to almost daily, every it's incredible. This work has enriched my life and taken me out of, out of, um, a comfort, it's expanded my comfort zone. <laughs> yes. Right, but you're not uncomfortable in it, right? You no, not. Connected. Oh, I was, I was scared. I was very uncomfortable initially when I first started. It was, I had, oh, let's talk about the critic. It was, it was, oh. it was wild to watch the process because in my realm where I do have my 10,000 hours, maybe 100,000 hours plus of doing psychic work, which is my, Oh, I can do that with my eyes closed. You know, you ask, there's a chapter, right. what can you do with your eyes closed? Well, that's what I can do with my eyes closed. And now all of a sudden I'm in this community and these people are reading their writing. And I felt as if I were 
okay, I was in an artist's community drawing and I'm drawing stick figures. So my, (laughs) oh oh my God, my critic was raging, raging, raging. And I watched the process. So I'm, you know, I've got this thing about being self-aware. That's my gig. So as I'm watching myself be self-aware of the inner critic and what I'm thinking and what I'm doing and how I'm feeling sick Then I about all of this. That's when I said, okay, I'm just going to take a deep breath and I'm going to read what I wrote. And if I hadn't read what I had written, I wouldn't have gotten to the point where I'm writing the way that I write now. All right. Cause I had to take that for me. It was a risk to expose myself. It's one thing for me to write a newsletter, yeah. Terry, that's a whole other animal. Okay. Only to start writing something that involves the senses and imagination and fiction, nonfiction. That was a whole other genre that I was not familiar with. So I, well, yes, yes. But the, the creative community. part, Mm-hmm. The community is wonderful. It is, as I say, douche-proof because people who are real jerks tend not to want to come and write with people and point out how what they love about other people's work. <laughs> you, you know, real jerks don't tend to want to have, participate in that. You get a real generous, non-judgmental, supportive community of people. And Ellie, they've changed my life too. These people that we've met, you have also. It's been it's such a privilege to get to work with people like you. And so I don't take that lightly at all. I can't believe that that you know I'm always blown away by people who come in and want to be part of it. But you just said too, and I want to point out the creative part, the fun, juicy part of writing story and getting into the physical nature of writing, of not only the physical experience of writing, but of writing about real things. People will say to me, oh, but I I need to post on LinkedIn and newsletters, you know, business stuff. But then there's like, I want to do creative stuff. And I don't know. Well, I do know why. We see that as a binary, that it's Mm -hmm. like, well, over here is creative and over as if you have to write a novel to write creatively. And then if you're going to write on LinkedIn, you have to be boring and professional. Not at all. In fact, one of the people in our community, uh, Christy Schmidt, who I just was um, looking Mm -hmm. on LinkedIn and I've been urging her, like, you're such a beautiful writer. Please write stories on LinkedIn. People love the stories. Mm -hmm. She started doing it. And her stories are like, oh, because most people who are putting like, raw raw like idea smarty pants stuff like no one connects emotionally really good writing must connect emotionally and you don't get there just through brainiac stuff you actually have to connect with the physical with the human and so the stuff if you're like oh i want to write creatively do it bring the creative into your quote professional and business work because so few do it's bloodless out there most people's stuff is bloodless because they thought they had to be sterile and compliant so if you can tell story and engage people my gosh you're going to get people listening to you and whether that's for work or for fun isn't that the point to move and to connect with other people and you can do that through your work not if you're all buttoned up Mm-hmm. Yeah. Note to self taken over here, girlfriends. And that's why I love reading your newsletters. They're so, so everybody get on Terry's newsletter list. Okay. Get on her email list. Your emails are so rich. They're so, they're so great. I mean, there's just, I wouldn't even call them newsletters. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. There's something, Ellie, even if, there's something even about the word newsletter that sounds kind of like, it was okay. mimeographed. Remember, remember mimeographs? Like they would print it off the printer and stuck under a door where people step on it. I try to make sure every email that goes out is a letter to a person. And in fact, I spend quite a bit of time on it. Like I'll sit there. It's my writing practice. I don't necessarily sit and write in a journal every day. I write emails to the people who have said, sure, I'd like to hear from you. And I write to them every week. And it's a love letter. I treat them all like love letters. I want to share something personal. I want to tell you something that I'm up to and I want to hear back. I love when people hit reply and go, oh my gosh, like that happened to me or this was funny. That matters. So if you guys are on people's newsletters, their lists, hit reply, respond to it. The person who's sending that out is hoping that you will care enough to write back. It is a two-way conversation. 
It's so true, Terry. You know, when I when I hit my when I send out my emails, okay, and somebody responds back and they share a story or they share a success story or they share something that happened, you know, it makes my day. It makes me really happy. Oh my you know, gosh. How would I know yes. what's going on with everybody? You know, I do a lot of readings. I don't get feedback. I don't know what's happening in their lives unless they actually send me emails and text messages to say, hey, that you're, you know, this happened, yada, yada, blah, blah. This was, yeah. And I love that feedback, even if it's something that I like, like you do, you know, something relevant or important that is said that can guide somebody for that day or for that moment, or, you know, kind of like picking a tarot yeah. card and getting the right, getting the yes. right card for the day, you know? So that's mm-hmm. exactly right. In fact, people will write back and go, I don't know if you really read these, but I'm like, of course I do. Like, <laughs> what am I, Oprah? I'm just sitting here with my email. Of course. Like, I don't know if this is really you. I'm like, who else do you think it is? Like, I think it's really funny. But that makes me kind of sad because it makes me think that the default is that we don't really believe people are there. And that kind of breaks my heart that we think everything's a bot. Well, I am not a bot. I am just a person with an email list that I've worked incredibly hard to make it something worth getting and worth being in touch about. So I do hope to be in touch with your community, Ali, and, uh, and yeah, to, to keep the conversation going, really. Mm-hmm. So I would like, um, you can type this in if you're on a laptop, you know where it says, please input your message. If you can put your information there, that would be awesome. And I will also include your information um, on the YouTube and the pod, the pod oh, yes. at the end. But I put, really I'll put mine in there for anyone yeah, who's to listening here get now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's, you know what? The easiest thing is to just go to terrorjuspeech.com because here's the thing. I did a free series of videos on why I think you can stay in your comfort zone. And if you if you get on the list, an email goes out to you that has a link to that series. So um, that'll be, and more information about the book and everything else. So probably just that one would work great. And also unfollowyourpassion.com if you're interested in getting the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you already have it, to tell me that you got it. But Ellen, what a wonderful opportunity. I really appreciate you having me on. Oh, I'm so thrilled to have you on. You've just reignited a part of my own passion. (laughs) Great. And I'll share what that is. I love writing my newsletters and... I will share with you, sometimes I get into, sometimes my critic is raging during the newsletter. And then it's like, oh. What happens? What happens for you? Are they, are my readers going to find value in this? Am I talking too much about myself? Is this, <laughs> uh, does this sound like I'm, I'm promoting my work? Um, is there value in here for someone? So all of those things come into my head while I'm writing. And sometimes it stifles where I go in the newsletter. So, and then there aren't that many stories because then I go into this self the critic again. Oh, what if you tell this story? And then somebody's going to feel that what uh, they're doing isn't working, you know, like all of that. It's like that I nonsense, see. that that critic that happens, right? Well, you know and, that we all have that thought. Um, but here's something that I do to avoid that, because same with me. Look, I, I love writing my emails, but I also run a business. And that business requires people to be in business with me. So I do sometimes I'll, if I am launching a, a program like I am right now, I'll mention it at the bottom of there. Um, or if it's like, hey, this is happening. Sometimes I'll do an email that's like, hey, this is what's happening. And I'm, I'm wondering if you're interested or know anyone who is. You just can lead with that. But the other thing is, Ellie, with regular newsletters, like when you're writing to your list regularly, and there's a fear of, oh, God, does anyone care if I'm talking about myself? You can talk about yourself. Think about if you were meeting a friend for a drink and you're, you run in and you're like, oh my God, I, can't, I have so much to catch up with you on. You can, sit down. What's the first funny story you want to tell? Oh my God, listen to this. Whatever would follow the, oh my God, listen to this, is the story you can tell. If you know, you wouldn't sit down with your friend and say, you know what, I'm so amazing because like, of course that would be weird. You'd say, listen to this funny, you would say, listen to this funny thing that happened. Can you believe this? This floored me. Something that surprised you, made you laugh, made you think. It's okay to talk about yourself when you're offering a story that you think might entertain and engage the listener. And so, yeah, it's totally okay. 
if you feel weird about it, then you say, well, what's making me feel weird? Because maybe there's something in there that you feel uncomfortable saying, and maybe you don't say that. But you do and can write about what's happening with you. Because when you sit down to talk with a friend, they're dying to know what's going on. So <laughs> do the story, write the story. And here's the tip, write something that you would finish the sentence, listen to what just happened, or listen to what I, I just read, or listen to this thing. Then you tell them that. Because if it doesn't surprise you while you're writing it, then then it might not be as surprising to the listener. If you go in with a big, uh, you know, an ax to grind, people hear the ax grind and they don't want to hear it. They mm -hmm. want to hear it in the, in the context of story. So yeah. don't ever feel bad about writing about yourself. Uh, is, is, and don't worry about like, oh God, is there value in it for someone else? Would you ask yourself that meeting a friend for dinner? Oh, I hope there's <laughs> value for my guest. I hope my friend finds value in our conversation. No, you know there's value by being together. That's the key. Oh, Terry, I love you. And I am so, <laughs> I am so glad that you're here um, sharing your wisdom, sharing your energy, sh really just sharing yourself with everyone who's listened today. And I don't want to take up too much more of your time. So uh, is there anything that you want to share immediately with everybody listening so that, you know, they can, I don't know find you I, I don't know. I mean, again, you know, or, or well, I think invite people, people to the well, sprint, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to explore what it might be like to write with me, um, just, you know, hop on the list and I'll, I'll tell you more about that because it's, it's starting next week. We meet twice up to twice a week to write together and you do not have to have been an English major. It doesn't matter what you've done before. If you are open and want to tap your creativity, yes, you, this might be something you'd be into, but I want to also add this. People say, Oh, unfollow your passion. Is that for my 18 year old son? For my 25 year old daughter? Yes. And, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and that's a great line from improv. Yes. And this mm -hmm. is not young, young people are not the only ones who want to know what to do with their life. Other people want to know too, every one of us. So this idea mm -hmm. of like, oh, you're supposed to read that when you're 20. Well, it didn't exist 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Right. So if you're like, well, I don't know, I love what I do. It's okay. If it bothers you, the kind of garbagey, wisdom that you hear being punted around a lot and you love the idea of challenging the traditional norms of what makes a meaningful life this will be a book you will enjoy mm. you'll just enjoy Absolutely. reading you'll just get a kick Absolutely. out of it it doesn't mean you have homework and you have to change your life it is a fun <laughs> read for that reason a fun and irreverent is. read is what i would call it, it is it is and your humor is i just laugh you know with all of these stories and yet there's there is wisdom and then I get to laugh Thank at you. the same time. Yeah, it's brilliant. You're brilliant, Terry. Absolutely Thank brilliant. you, Ellie. So are you. Been... <laughs> Thank you. It has been such a pleasure and an honor to work with you in so many different ways. And um, again, if you want to get a taste of Terry's magic, I'm serious, go to um, my What If on my website and download your free 16-page guide. You'll get, you'll be amazed. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we worked together on that. We were, I was really thrilled to work you, with you on that. Oh, you're a magician. You took my. I, and like, <laughs> I, I list. I read this. I'm like, where'd she get this from? And it's like, and then you know, and I asked, where'd you get that from? You. you. I said, I said that. Yes. I was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Okay, Terry, I look forward to sprinting with you soon and continue okay, um, thank you. our relationship and everybody go get the book, get on a sprint, stay in touch with Terry. She's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. It was a pleasure and I'm so grateful that you said yes. Yes. Thank you, Ellie. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Okay. Bye, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Leave comments. <laughs> Bye. Thank you all for being here. Ciao. Have a great week.